Oh
God has provided and freely given to us all things of life and godliness. We give it faith, and it is returned to us, shaken down, making room for more. We are fully satisfied, overflowing, and running over the top. We shout to and magnify the Lord, favoring His righteous cause. He is pleased that we prosper. We gladly honor the Lord with our capital, substance, and our income. God builds our accounts abundantly, and we overflow with the fullness of God's Spirit. God enables us to get wealth, increase in wealth, and become very wealthy to establish His covenant. We abound in grace. We are fully supplied and recover. God multiplies what we give, and we increase our fruit of righteousness. We are blessed in what God has given us. God makes us rich with no regrets. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in the loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel in every region. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Well, I would like to say thank you, Mr. Nelson, and his crew, which you know who you are. <laughs> Doesn't that look awesome? service, we're going to have a carpet in by the time you come next Sunday. Now, if you'd like to see it first look, come Wednesday. Because we're having it installed on Tuesday, and it'll be here for Wednesday. And we are going to, um, it's going to look different. And if you don't like the color when you walk in, just smile and ask God to shift what it looks like to you. Because I will have to do the same because we're not sure how it's going to look when an entire room is filled with the color that we've chosen. We'll find out on Tuesday, amen? Um, uh, but we do need your help after service just to move. We're going to move everything out of the sanctuary. We moved as much as we could yesterday and so we can clear the way for new carpet to be installed, amen? And I don't know if Mr. Nelson's planning to do anything after service for the stage. Are you okay? So if we, you would like to stay back and help finish the stage, you just got a few things to do. And it'll be ready for carpet because we got to finish up what we got to do so that the carpet can be installed. And then we will start to decorate. <laughs> I'm so excited for that part. So anyway, um, and uh, we, uh, the goal, just so we're all on the same page, which I think you are, but we'll say it out loud. Our goal is to make the house of God look better than our homes. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Because it is the house of God. Yeah. And I, I, when you read in the Bible, when Solomon built his house, and when David built his house, like remember David, the reason David started asking God about building a house for him, because David built his, and said, wait a minute, but the Lord has no home. He has no house of his own. Uh, they never really asked God about how to build their house, you know, like their personal residence. I don't think there's scriptures in there about them, you know, their residence, because God wants us to have it look the way we would like, right? But when he came to God's house, he gave instructions on what he would like his house to look like. Right. 
So we want to keep listening to the voice of God and hearing what he says, seeing what he likes and what he wants his house to look like in Palmyra. Amen? Now we're going to give him the desires of his heart to make sure his house looks good because he's got a whole big plan and we want to make sure we're part of it. Amen? So that's our goal. So when you see things happening, just, you know, know that somebody thought about it thoroughly before we did it. Because it's about to pick the carpet color. And, uh, but... We just want to please God. Amen? Amen. And that's my wish for And you know, uh, glory to God, everything that's done is debt free. Amen. Amen. And uh, we're under budget and we're earlier yes. on time. Amen? So God is truly good. And once again, we thank everybody for helping. We've had all kinds of helpers do all kinds of things. And uh, we appreciate you all. I have marks on my hands. <laughs> and uh, but God is good. And we're celebrating the goodness of God. Yes. Amen. Yes. And uh, I believe that we're getting the, the barn ready for harvest. Yes. You know, there's a harvest out there. Yes. And we are the laborers. We are the gatherers. And together we are God's combine. And uh, God has placed you where he's placed you so that you can shine as a light. Amen. And uh, you're to influence people for the gospel. And first of all, how you live. Secondly, how you respond. And thirdly, what you say and do. Yes. Amen? Yes. And uh, together, we make up the net that is cast into the sea and the fish are going to be brought in. Amen? So, uh, we got some work to do to fill the house with good treasures. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I want you to continue giving this morning. Giving is a privilege and an honor, and it is our lifeline to God. Did you know that giving can change your situation around? Why? Because your gift is like a seed. Once that seed is planted, it can break through concrete. It can open up barriers. And it can bring forth more than what you started with. And uh, the Bible is full of uh, seed talk, but our finances are a seed. Our time is a seed. Our love is a seed. And then we are walking storehouses of seed. And when we give our time, talent, and treasure to God... You know, he does uh, take that and multiply it back to us. And you say, well, I can't do anything. No, you can do something. Ask God what he wants you to do. Uh, There was one, I heard a story of uh, one lady. um, I think she lost her sight or she was incapacitated in some way. Maybe not her sight, but so she started writing to prisoners. And she started sharing the gospel to prisoners in prison. And several prisoners who received their letters got saved. But that was something that you could do, amen? And uh, so don't limit yourself. Amen. As you give this morning, you can give anytime during the service. You can give in the seat planner in the back. If you're watching online, welcome. You can give online through our website. Uh, you can give through our bookstore. You can send it in. You can bring it in. However you want to do it. There's a way for you to do it, amen? And Father... This morning, I am so grateful that we serve a God of increase. 
We serve a God who's rich in grace and rich in glory. And we thank you, Lord, that your blessing comes upon every giver and every gift, Father. And you cause them to excel in life, excel in every area. And, Lord, you multiply their gifts so that we just give you glory and praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then this Tuesday, uh, our youth group will be meeting. Amen. Can I get a whoop 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 whoop? Since uh, we showed our youth pastor to uh, Texas, we've got some great fine uh, youth pastors here, Nelson and Nadine, and they're taking on that new role. And uh, then also uh, this Wednesday, we have our Faith for Miracles class. We'll be doing that for the rest of the year uh, on Wednesdays. Uh, did, did anybody come last Wednesday? Yeah. Right. Did, did, any, did anybody receive a miracle last Wednesday or something happened in your life? Amen. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. God is moving. So Faith for Miracles class this Wednesday and our sanctuary debut. Yes. Woo! I'm excited. Are we going to have kids live today? No kids live today. Everybody will be here. Amen. Well, this morning, yesterday, I uh, took some time and gave some of my labor. Of course, I gave it, you know, what I did all week. And then, but yesterday, I gave some, and then I was preparing. I had two sermons that I prepared. And, uh, you know, it's not the Lord that's changing his mind. It's my hearing that's getting adjusted. Right? So I'm not going to give you two sermons today. But I'm going to give you the one that God wanted me to give you. Which, by the way, I finished uh, fine-tuning this morning. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk about building an altar to God. You know, what, what you witnessed before you, we call it a, a platform, we call it a stage, but what it really is, is an altar. It's an altar to God. And altars are significant in a Christian's life. They're not just heaps of this or heaps of that, but they are special places where we encounter God. And an altar is not just for a church building. You know, you're the church, this is a building. This building is not the church. Although we call it the church, we are the church. The called out ones. The ecclesia, or ecclesia, however you want to say it. And uh, so this kept coming to me yesterday, and I said, okay, Lord, all right. And so I'm going to give you an overview of some of the altars that were built in the Bible, and there were several. And we're going to learn some lessons of the altar. Are you ready to learn a lesson of the altar today? So altars are special places where the Christian is, he builds his life for God. It's a place of worship. It's a place where we give to God. It's a place where we communicate with God. It's a place that we receive from God. An altar is a place where we encounter God and we're encouraged by God. 
an altar helps us reset with God and renews us with God. You know, an altar is a place of where you can get reset and renewed. Because sometimes in life, we get off kilter, don't we? Altars are holy instruments of worship to the Lord. But an altar can also be used for evil purposes as well. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 8. And we're going to start our journey this morning. I'm going to be your tour guide. And I'm going to take you on an altar tour. And we're going to discover what altars mean and how they can benefit us. Because an altar is not just for the past, it's for the present. Alright? So an altar is a meeting place where you and God exchange things. This is the exchange department. If you don't like what you have, you can exchange it or upgrade it. Here's some things that you can exchange at the altar. You can exchange weakness for strength. How many want to upgrade weakness into strength? I'd like to turn in my weakness for strength today. Amen? Does the Lord promise us strength? Absolutely. You don't even need a receipt. You just come and make the exchange. And by the way, God's warehouse never runs empty. You're never going to go to God and say, I'm out of that item, can you wait two weeks? No. (laughs) Now, faith is now. Another thing that you can exchange at the altar is you can exchange your sin for forgiveness. We all have sinned at a time in the past. What does it mean to sin? To miss the mark. To disobey God. To not do what God wants. That's sin. And doesn't matter if it's big or little, sin is sin. Amen? You know, sin only comes in three categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, or the pride of life. And every sin that's committed fits into one of those categories. Okay? At the altar, you can exchange your poverty for blessing. Woo, that sounds good. Amen? I like that exchange. How about this? You can exchange your own works for God's promises. It's not by works so that you can boast, but it's a gift of God. God gives you things. Amen? You can exchange your works for His promises. Because His promises work better than our works. You can exchange your own effort for God's grace at the altar. What's God's grace? God's grace is abundant. It's amazing. It's incredible. By grace are we saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. At the altar you can exchange turmoil and trouble for peace. Woo, that's a good upgrade. Here's all my trouble, here's my turmoil. And God says, here's my peace. 
This is what happens at the altar. You can exchange your problems for divine solutions. Anybody ever encounter a problem in life? Oh yeah, we all do. But you want to exchange your problem for a solution, you come to the altar. You can exchange your worship and praise for God's presence. The Bible says He inhabits the praises of His people. We can give Him worship and praise and His presence comes in and fills where we are. That's a good exchange. All of us have worship and praise. You don't even have to be in tune. You can make a joyful noise. You don't have to be on key, although the person sitting next to you might wish you would be. You can exchange your inability for God's power. How many know there comes a point in time when we can't do what we need to do sometimes? We need God's power. We can exchange our inability for His power. We can exchange our wretchedness for God's goodness. He makes our filthy rags as garments of praise. And we can exchange our shortcomings for God's salvation. Because how we know, sometimes we fall short. But that's when we have to allow God to pick us up and set us on the right course, dust you off. Amen? In Genesis 8 and verse 20. Hi, my name is Pastor Doug. And today we are taking a tour, an altar tour. I'll never forget when I was visiting the country of Austria, Vienna, Austria, actually. Beautiful city. I was privileged to be able to go there with my family. And uh, we took a tour of the Shabroom Castle. It's called the Shabroom Castle because they used Shabroom Yellow to paint the castle. And our tour guide, bless her darling hearts. You know, when you have a monotone tour guide and the rooms start to look the same, once you've seen ten rooms and they all start to look the same, and you've got 50 more to go, and you're like, oh my goodness, when is this thing going to end? So, it was nice to see the castle, but I didn't enjoy the tour. And I'm not going to be like that today. Alright? You're going to enjoy this tour as we look through the biblical account of altars and glean truth about these altars today. Hallelujah. Genesis 8.20 And Noah built an altar unto the Lord. I want you to know, the very first thing he did after saving the earth and saving the animals and spending a year with animals on the boat, first thing he did, first thing he thought of, he built an altar to the Lord, a place of worship, a place of exchange, a place of communication. He wanted to set up communication with God. He wanted to set up a meeting place with God. That was the first thing yeah. that he did. 
hands. He took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. You know, God is good. He gave Noah a year's vacation on a cruise, and then now he put him back to work. <laughs> I mean, you figure, he spent a hundred years building the boat, he might as well take a year of vacation. Right? And now he built an altar, and now he's offering stuff on this altar that he had with him. You know, God told him to take some clean animals. Because God knew that he was going to give to God the first thing that he got off the boat. Fresh off the boat. No, it was fresh off the boat. <laughs> right? And notice what happened. Verse 21. And the Lord smelled a what? Sweet savor. A soothing aroma. In other words, God was pleased with offering something on the altar. And because God was pleased, the Lord said in his heart, in other words, what occurred at the altar touched the Lord's heart. Amen? Amen. I will not again curse the ground anymore. Did you know that an altar can break the curse? Yeah. It could stop the destruction. That's how powerful an altar is. Can you say amen? amen. Alright? And as we continue on our tour, I'm so glad that you joined me today for this tour. Let's go to Genesis 12. And let's look at this altar. You know, uh, Gabriel and I and uh, my brother-in-law, Ron, when we were on our way to Fiji, we had, uh, well, <clears throat> our, plan, our plans changed, and we ended up having to spend an extra day in L.A. than what we had originally planned, because uh, we missed our flight from a connecting flight, and um, anyway, so we had to spend an extra day in L.A., and they have a sidewalk called Hollywood Boulevard. And on Hollywood Boulevard, they have stars in the concrete with handprints or whatever, and the stars' name. They give honor to the actors and actresses and comedians and all that. But you know what? Today we're giving an honor to God. We're not building a star on the sidewalk. We're building an altar in our hearts, in our lives, so that our lives can be strong for God. Genesis 12, 7. God had just spoken to Abraham. He had just called him. He gave him his assignments. He instructed him what to do. He showed him the first steps. And what does Abraham or Abram do in response? Verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, The Lord showed up and spoke. Unto your seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto who? Unto the Lord who appeared to him. He, see, an altar is where we encounter the Lord it's where he appears to us and he communicates with us. Did you know our God is a communicator? Amen. 
He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly how to get in touch with you. And because Abraham, I mean, the Lord just spoke to him. Now he appears to him. And what does Abraham do? He celebrates by building an altar, a place of worship, a place of exchange, a place of communication, a place of blessing. So an altar helps us encounter the Lord. And you can have an altar in your home. You can have an altar in your car. Guess what? You are a sanctuary. Your body is not your own. It has been bought with a price. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, you can have an altar wherever you go. You're a sanctuary. Every sanctuary needs an altar. doesn't matter... And, and all, it, it can look any way. It doesn't matter how it looks, it matters what takes place there. Amen? So we're celebrating the altar that was built to worship God. Alright? So he built an altar there. Verse 8. And he removed from there. So he left that place. Unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. Now he's in a different location, but he still builds an altar. And what does he do on that altar? He calls on the name of the Lord. He he establishes his relationship. In other words, Abraham made sure that wherever he went, he had a place of worship. He had a place to meet God. He had a place that was a sign for God's presence. Did you know that God is the God of there? You know, when, when God says, I want you to be there, guess where he's going to be? Where he told you to be. And if you're somewhere else, you're going to miss God. God says, I was there, but you weren't. He's called the God of there. Amen? So he called upon God. He entered into communication with God. Aren't you glad that we can call upon God? He'll never put you on hold. You will never get a robot angel saying, Hello, this is heaven. Thank you for calling. If you'd like to talk to God, God won. Amen? You'll never get sales calls from heaven requesting something. But we can call upon God. The Bible says, Whosoever will call upon God, what shall be saved. What happens when we call upon Him? He answers you. And He shows you great and mighty things. Are we calling on God? Who do we call more? When we're in trouble, who do we call? Who are you going to call? <laughs> Thank you for calling devil busters. <laughs> oh, no, I wanted the Holy Ghost. Well, you got it. All right, let's continue our journey. and Let's go to Genesis 13. Verses uh, 1 to 3. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. 
And Abram was very rich. And cattle several of someone say amen. Amen. Say that's my heritage. That's my heritage. I'm destined, I'm destined to, be to be very rich. Because my great 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 grandfather was very rich. And the son whom he entered in the covenant with left you an inheritance. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Verse 3. And he went on his journey from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been before, beginning between Bethel and Ai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. You know what's good to visit altars frequently? Yeah. You know, if the airlines give you frequent flyers, what do you get if you visit an altar frequently? Frequent prayers. I'm part of the frequent prayer program. Amen? Why? I visit altars frequently. It's important and significant in your spiritual journey to what when you go back to a place where you encounter God, celebrate the encounter. Amen? I can remember in my life we're in the places that God spoke to me. I can remember in Illinois when God spoke to me. I can remember in Tennessee where God spoke to me. In Cleveland and in Knoxville. I had two prophecies over me. I can remember when God spoke to me from a, a Swedish evangelist in the Czech Republic. And I shook under the power of God for 45 minutes. I remember those places. Why? That's why I had an encounter with God. It, that's what made it special. You know, events are special because who you celebrate with. So he visited the altar that he had first built. Abram had an altar circuit. He traveled the circuit, and wherever he traveled, he made sure that he worshipped God. Alright? Let's go to verses 14 and 15. Same chapter. Genesis 13, 14 and 15. This was uh, after him and Lot departed. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, in every direction. For all the land which you see, to you I will give it, and to your seed, for how long? Forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto you. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built an altar to who? To the Lord. See, an altar is where you receive significant instructions to possess your land. An altar is a place of divine strategy revelation. And to possess your blessings. God gives you insight on how you can receive 
what he has given to you. What did he tell Abram to do? He said, walk. How hard is it to walk? How are we supposed to walk? We're supposed to walk by what? Faith, not by what? Yeah, we got to walk by faith, not by sight. And by faith, we possess the promises. Every walk that we walk in faith, we are possessing what God said. We are claiming what God told us to do. And told us what, what is ours. Okay? An altar expands your vision. He told them to look to the north, south, east, and west. That's an expansion. Amen? And you, an altar, you enter into heavenly transactions to receive the divine direction and great promises. And he built an altar there. Because that's where God spoke to him. That's where God gave him the instructions. That's where God told him what to do. Amen? Are you excited? Alright? Let's continue on our journey. And let's go visit Genesis 22! Woo! I can't believe you got so excited on this people. I get excited with the word. Just give me a reference and I'll shout. Come on. We gotta get that excited about the word. Oh, he's supposed to open the Bible. He's supposed to open the Bible. Come on. Jesus is the word. The word is Jesus. And at the end today, we're gonna to go before the altar and we're gonna pray for this nation. Because this nation needs prayer. The devil thinks he wins, but he's got another thing coming. Genesis 22 and verse 9. They came to the place. Everybody say the place. An altar always is to a place. It could be a place in your home, a place anywhere, but it always refers to a place. Which God had told him of. And Abraham, what did he do there? He built an altar. This man is a professional altar builder. Did you know the more you visit the altar, the more it will alter your behavior? The less you visit the altar, the less your behavior will be altered. Think about that. It's just a different spelling. If you want to alter your situation, then you better go to the altar. If you don't want to alter your situation, don't visit the altar. Because at the altar, you're going to have an encounter. Mm-hmm. That's from the Holy Ghost. It's free. We'll charge you in the answer. Okay? So he built an altar there. Notice there. A place there. Okay? And laid the wood in order. And bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. The altar is a special place that God assigned to meet you. The altar has a particular order. I know that this altar has an order. If you don't, you, you just didn't throw the boards here and out came the altar. Evolutionists. We just throw the boards in a pile and out came this, this altar. No, it did not. It takes design. 
It takes order. You got to lay the boards in a certain order. You can't put on the floor before you put on the supports. I got my hands on the supports. I learned some things. This this altar has an order. Abram laid the wood in order. There is a protocol to approaching God's presence. There are, it's a process. Did you know that before a priest could enter the Holy of Holies, the first thing he had to pass was the altar? The bronze altar where sacrifices had to be made? He couldn't go any further until he made a sacrifice on the altar. Same thing is true spiritually. If you want to get into God's presence, you've got to come by the altar. You've got to make your sacrifice. You've got to make your commitments. Amen? You've got to meet with God. How many know if you want to go further in God, you've got to meet with God? Yes. Every one of us should have a daily meeting with God. Daniel met with God at least five times a day. Or three times a day, whatever it was. I always get that number mixed up. What did he do? He prayed that many times a day. What was he doing when he was praying? He was communing with God. He made his house an altar. He opened up the windows and let everybody hear what was taking place at the altar. And because of what he did at the altar, he was able to face the lions fearlessly. Okay? So he, he put the Lord in order. Worship has a process of entering God's presence. God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of order. Aren't you glad that God's a God of order? Amen. And sometimes we want to bypass the steps in the order. How many have ever tried that? It doesn't work, does it? You, in God's plan, you can't go to C until you do B. Amen? Amen? No matter how hard you try or even Listen, Israel thought they could skip steps. But they got, they got caught up with how, how big the giants looked. And they got caught up with being grasshoppers in their own minds. In their own thoughts, right? And that tripped them up for 40 years, didn't it? Okay. All right, let's go to the next generation altar. Let's go to Genesis 26. Where do you think Isaac learned to build an altar? From his, he saw his father build an altar. He saw his father. He heard his father communicate with God. And I'm going to tell you something. Did you know that Ishmael learned how to pray from Abram? I can tell it to you. I can prove it to you. I'm not going to prove it to you now, but I will tell it to you. Do you realize when Hagar first left, she was pregnant, and God told her to go back? But then the next time that she left, she left with Ishmael, and the Bible says when they got in trouble, the Bible says God heard his prayer. So he needed that time for Abram to train his son Ishmael how to pray and how to hear from God. What kind of altars are we building in our homes? Do we build an altar that people can duplicate? That people can replicate? Isaac learned how to build altars from his father. Matter of fact, he put them on the altar that he built. Yeah. Let me give you an up close and personal look, son. This is how I don't like how this feels. 
verse 9. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Verse 23. Genesis 26, verse 23. And he went there, up there, from there, to Beersheba. I don't think they served bear in Beersheba, but... And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am God of Abraham, your father. Fear not. For I am with you, I will bless you, and will multiply your seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he what did he do? He built an altar where? There. And called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Oh, can you say Amen. The altar is a place where you establish a relationship with God. God introduced himself. How you doing, Isaac? I'm God. I'm the God of your father. I'm the the God. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. This is who I am. Okay? God was introduced. Don't you think Isaac knew who he was? Yeah, but you know what? You need your own revelation. There comes a point in time when you can't operate on your father's faith. And you've got to stand on your own. Even though Isaac was an heir, he inherited all of Abraham's wealth, he still had to develop his own wealth in God. Okay? God revealed himself. That's what God does. Isn't the, the primary way that God reveals himself the word? This is, this is God in this book. This is the living book, the living word of God. You could meet with God at the altar and discover who He is and what He did. I am the God of Abraham. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bless you. I will multiply you. Alright? This is... Isaac got some revelation. And what did he do? He built an altar. Amen? See, God's abiding presence reassures you at the altar. He encourages you. He lets you know who you are and what you did. He lets you know who you've got behind you. He shows, he, he shows Isaac that I'm, because I'm with you, nothing is impossible. Amen? And so he called upon the Lord. The altar is a special place of prayer between you and the Lord. It's a place of communication, interaction, reception, and expression. It's a place of communication. You call on Him, He speaks to you. It's a place of interaction. You know, God wants to interact with you. It's called fellowship. Did you know that we are called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus? What's a fellowship? It's two fellows in the same ship. <laughs> Oh, you thought I was going to go deep. <laughs> it can't be. Yes, it's that simple. It's two people sharing the experience. What do we do in church? We fellowship. We fellowship together. We fellowship with God. Fellowship is important. Don't miss fellowship. Too many people are missing fellowship. It's a place of reception. 
It's where you receive from God. Did you know everything we're missing is at the altar? God has it. All we got to do is come and say, here I am. What was Isaac, I mean, uh, Isaiah? He said, whoa, my speech is very bad. What did God do? He took a coal from the altar. He, he took what, I, what Isaiah was missing and he provided it from him for the altar. And what did he do? He touched his lips with coal and instantly his mouth was cleansed. He, the altar has what you need. The altar has what you long for. And you have an open invitation to come anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Amen? Amen. See, you have to build the altar because it does require your participation. Yeah. Instructions are included. How do I build an altar? Right here. God gave you a manual on how to build an altar. He gave you examples to show you how to build an altar. What to expect at an altar. And then there's expression at the altar. How many know, aren't you glad that we can express ourselves to God? Yeah. God gave us the ability to express ourselves, to dance, to sing, to cry, to laugh, to roll around on the floor. I've done them all. You can shake, rattle and roll under the presence of God. Elvis ain't got nothing on the Holy Ghost. I mean, Elvis can only get his leg moving, but God will get the whole body moving. So at the altar, there's communication, interaction, reception, and expression. An altar must be the center of your life. Because every altar that we're talking about was to the Lord. Everybody say, put the Lord first. Put the Lord first. It's where you dwell. Do you realize Isaac built his tent at the altar? He made the altar part of his home life. Samuel did the same thing. Uh, I'm just going to give you the reference in 1 Samuel uh, 7:17. He lived in Ramah and he built an altar there. How many know we got to build an altar in our home? If you want to kick the devil out of your home, you better build an altar. The altar is your fortress of defense against wickedness. Amen. Okay. Let's go on to the next generation. Let's go to Genesis 31. I'm sorry, Genesis 33. Genesis 33. Verses 18 and 19. Is this good? Yes. Are you enjoying your tour? Yes. You're going to be thinking about so, altars so much when you leave, you're going to build one when you go home. Take some Legos and build an altar. Amen? Get a chair and a spot at the table and build an altar. You can have a comfortable chair. Build an altar in the lazy boy. Make that lazy boy work for God. Amen? Just because the chair is a lazy boy, doesn't you don't have to let that chair make you a lazy boy. Rename the chair from lazy boy to worship boy. Amen? Rename the chair to joyful boy. You got the ability to rename things. Do you know that? Who named the animals? Did God argue with his choices? 
I mean, when, when Adam said platypus, God was thinking, really? Sure, let's go with it. Amen? He did not, God, Adam had the ability to name the animals. We have the ability to name things. Amen? If you don't like it, change the name. Change defeat into victory. I call my defeat victory. Watch what happens. I call my sickness healing. Amen? We can change the name. Genesis 33, 18 and 19. And Jacob came to, she- to Shechem, or Salem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan, Aram, and pitched his tent before the city, and he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money, and he erected there. What did he erect there? And he called it El Elohi Israel. He called it the God, the God of Israel. He named the place, he named the altar that he built God, the God of Israel. Amen? See, an altar is a significant marker on your journey. You can look back and say, that's what God did. That's what God said. It's a marker. It tells you where you've been. It tells you what God is doing. You can look to the altar. Look to past altars. It's okay. That's where God spoke to you. That's where he appeared to you. It's part of the journey. Name it. Name the place where you encounter God. Name it. Where I met the Lord. Where I heard him. Call me. Where I changed. Where God... Uh, what God gave me, or showed me, or what I overcame and conquered. Name your altar. Name the encounter. Amen? Call those things that be not as though they are. Man, this is what God wanted to say to us this morning. VCF, are you hearing me? We built a new altar. God's getting ready to do new things. We're about ready to enter a new and fresh anointing and invigoration of Holy Ghost power and strength. And all of everybody who gave, everybody who worked, everybody who served has a part in it. We did this together with God. Amen? If we can build an altar, we can build a building. Come on. Wait a minute, Pastor. You just took a leap right there. You know, when the lame man got healed, you know what he did? He leaped. He leaped. Let's take some leaps together. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm getting stirred up. No, I'm sorry. I can't stir it up. But now he's making the he's making the milk chocolate. <laughs> Name the place. Let's go to Genesis 35. Oh, we're still doing really good on time. Imagine that. Our next stop on the tour is Genesis 35, verses 5 to 7. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were around them. 
I'm telling you, we need some terror of God into our cities. The cities in America that think that they can do what they want to do without law and order, the terror of God needs to come to these places in the name of Jesus. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. Can you imagine? You're walking through the place and you've got divine protection and, and the, the cities that you're passing by say, I'm not messing with those folks. Did you know the devil can't mess with you? Because when he messes with the anointing, he loses all the time. Oh my goodness. So Jacob came to loose, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. Didn't Abraham go to Bethel too? Yep. Oh, it's an altar of generations. It's an altar of heritage from one generation to the next generation. Did you know that God can speak to this generation like he spoke to last generation? Amen. God's word can be just as fresh now as it was then. We've got to stop living in the then and start living in the now. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't like stale bread. I like fresh bread. Fresh manna from heaven. That's great that God's, that God's word spoke to you 20 years ago is keeping you going, but how about a new word? How about a fresh word? Amen? How about a little bit of a growth in the knowledge of God? So, uh, then, verse 7, he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel. El is the name for God. Because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Do you remember in Genesis 28? This was the first time, this was the place where God encountered, or where Jacob encountered the ladder from heaven. At that time, he didn't build an altar, but he built a pillar. He was laying the foundation for the altar that he's building now. El Bethel means God of the house of God. He's God of the house. God is in the house. In the house of God. God is in the house. In the house of God. He gave Moses power in his rod. God in the house of God. Sorry, you just had to bust that out. An altar remembers your cup, your encounter with God. An altar could be a memorial where God spoke to you. All right, now we're going to go to Exodus. Where do we get out of Genesis? Amen. Let's go to Exodus 17. Exodus 17, verses 12 to 16. This is where Moses won the battle. But Moses' hands were heavy. Have your hands ever gotten heavy? Oh, I can't do it, Lord. Then you know what God will do? He'll send you help. Nelson was wondering, who's going to help me? He said, God sent the help, and God did. Amen? He sent the right help right where he needed it the most. So his hands were heavy, and they took the stone... And put it under him, and he sat thereon. I like 
like Moses and Jesus. They sat while they were working for God. <laughs> Jesus sat in the boat and talked, and Moses sat in the, sat in the stone and prayed. How many know you can sit and do what God needs you to do? Yeah. Amen. And uh, Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. <laughs> so Moses was in a perpetual state of touchdown. Right? Or praise the Lord. His, can you imagine holding your hands like this till sundown? That's why you would need help. <laughs> the task is too big for you alone, so God sends helpers. And Joshua discomfited Amalek. That means he whooped them really good. <laughs> That's a fancy word for whooped their little behinds. <laughs> discomfited. Who says that anymore? <laughs> Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. How many know if you want to be victorious, you've got to rehearse victories? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You can't be victorious and rehearse defeats. Okay. I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek. When God wants to put out your remembrance, you really kick them off. <laughs> I mean, he's like, I'm going to wipe them out of the book. They're not even going to be a memory. You, they really kick God off. Verse 15, and Moses built it. And what did he do on the altar? He named him Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. He called the altar Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. Amen? An altar is a place of victory, a memorial to recount what God has done. An altar is a place where God reveals his divine strategy and sets his plan in motion. This, do you realize Amalek was the first battle outside of being slaves in Egypt? They didn't train to be an army for 400 years. They trained to build buildings. They built what Pharaoh told them to build. And here, they left Egypt, and this was the first opponent that they had to face. But how many know, you know as long as God is on your side, you just do what he tells you to do, and he'll give you the victory. And so, he built an altar out of the stone he sat on. Amen? Alright. Let's go to Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. And we, as we continue our tour of the altars of the Bible, dun, 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 here's Pastor Doug, Roman reporter. He's showing you the altars of the Bible. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm having fun. If you're not having fun, what's the problem? No, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. Then Joshua built a unto who? In Mount Ebal. Just as Moses commanded. You can read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 7. 
I'm sorry, chapter 27, verses 1 to 9. The instructions that Moses gave are there. For the altar that Joshua is building. So he's following the word. An altar is God's designated meeting place of worship, exchange, giving, and rejoicing. Altars are, are places of receiving and recording God's message. Let's go to Judges chapter 6. And now. We move to Judges chapter 6 in our tour of the altars. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 6. Are you seeing a significance of altars? An importance of altars? Where do you hear about the last altar? Judges 6, verse 21. Judges 6, and verse 21. The angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh of the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock. Woo! Fire from a rock. That must have been a flint. A flint stone. And uh, consumed the flesh and unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, the Lord, uh, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace be unto you, fear not, for you shall not die. Whoo! He's like, whoo! That was close. Well, obviously, if God wanted to kill him, he wouldn't have been able to say that. Right? And the Lord said peace to him. Verse 24, Then Gideon built an altar there, unto who? And he called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abizarites. Hallelujah. So Gideon called the altar, the Lord is peace. And then did you know that he was instructed to tear down the altars of Baal? His father had an altar of Baal or Asherah in the city. His father was like the, the head dude of the city, right? And you can read uh, in uh, verse 25. It says that it came to pass the same night, the same night that he built the altar, the same night that God spoke to him, the same night that God gave him peace. God's saying, I'm going to make you a peacemaker. Right? Then Gideon, okay, uh, it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take your father's young bullock, even the second bullock of the seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that your father has cut down, uh, and cut down the grove that is by it. And you build an altar to the Lord your God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the uh, grove which you shall cut down. So sometimes we've got to tear down altars that do not represent God. What's, a, what's an altar that doesn't represent God? It's called an idol. 
An idol today is more than just a silver or wood or statue that man made. An idol will take your time away from God. It will take your focus off of God. It will take your treasure away from God. That's an idol. Anything that gets more attention than God gets is an idol. All idolatry must be torn down and true worship of the Lord established in its place. Idol worship is worship that's out of order. That's why he had to order the things in a particular way. Idol worship is out of order. Amen? Amen. And it must be purged with fire. That's why he had to offer a burnt offering on the altar. Idolatry has to be purged with fire. Everybody's quiet on that part. You, we have to replace every idol with true worship and serve the Lord your God. If there's an idol in your life, today would be a good day to get rid of it. Can I get a witness? Listen, having that idol in your life is not going to do you any good with God. Actually, having that idol in your life is going to hinder your walk with God. God is not a fan of idolatry in any way, shape, or form. He hates it. I mean, when, when Moses was in the mountain talking with God, and the people were building the calf, you know, and Joshua says, I hear the sound of war. They said, no, that's not the sound of war, that's the sound of rejoicing. And Moses comes down after 40 days. It took him 40 days to start building an idol. And the Bible said Aaron gathered all the gold and he hammered this cow. <laughs> but then when Moses comes down, he says, I don't know what happened, Moses. I threw the gold in and out came this cow. No, you liar. You hammered the cow. <laughs> and they were going to make the calf the thing that led them out of Egypt. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Moses got so mad, he took the calf and dumped it in the powder and put it in the water and made him drink it. That's getting ticked off, man. But that's how God feels about idolatry. If there's something that's taking your attention away from God, you need to change it right now. You need to make a decision in your heart that you're going to put God first. And you need to tear down that idol. People who love their idol will resist you tearing it down.
it's so funny that they, uh, Gideon went and did this at night because he, he didn't want to deal with the flack, right? So he does it at night and when, when, in the morning when everybody gets up they see their idol of this town tore down. And, and they're having a hissy fit because this idol was torn down and, and the wood was used to, to burn something. They're like, they tore down the, the idol and they burned this wood. They were upset, right? But I love what Gideon's dad says. In verse 30 he says, if an idol can't defend itself, you shouldn't defend it either. <laughs> Gideon's dad said, if the idol can't defend itself, forget about it. That's true, isn't it? You can do anything to an idol, and the idol won't say anything, because it can't. <laughs> so they called Gideon Jerubbaal, which means Baal pleads. <laughs> but you know what? Here's what the Lord wants. If you have set up an idol in your life, you need to return to the Lord with all your heart. You need to put away the foreign god or whatever that thing represents in your life. The Asherah. And you need to prepare your heart for the Lord. And you need to serve Him only. And then He will deliver you out of any evil. But how many know that if you don't return to the Lord, it's going to, hard, it's going to be hard to get delivered? Amen? Alright. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're almost done with our tour. 1 Kings chapter 18. This is a great altar that was built here by Elijah. Verses 30 to 40. 1 Kings 18 verses 30 to 40. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near me. You know, when you do something for God, it's not hidden. Mm-hmm. It's for all to see. Matter of fact, uh, God spoke to a young pastor named Timothy. And he said, live in such a way that your progress is seen by all. Mm-hmm. People ought to be seeing your progress that you're making yeah. in your walk with God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Hallelujah. <laughs> And all the people came near him, and he was he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah said unto all the people, uh, verse 31, Elijah took the twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the stones of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall not uh, shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar. As great as would contain two measures of seed. He put the wood in order. He cut the bullock in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And they did that four to- or three times. So four times three is what? Twelve. Represents the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay? Verse 36, and it came to pass, I would encourage you to read this chapter from the Living Bible. 
<laughs> I just I get a kick out of out of God's sense of humor in the Living Bible when Elijah is talking to prophets of Baal. The Living Bible says, "Where is your God? Is he on the toilet?" Seriously, Living Bible, you can look it up. So he doused the the altar, the sacrifice, and everything with water. Four containers, three times each. And uh, Elijah the prophet came near, verse 36, And the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God of Israel. See, he, he reestablishes the focus. People's eyes have gotten, they forgot that God was God. They thought someone, some other little dinky thing was God. And that I am your servant... And I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, and that you have turned their heart back again. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, or the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the church. God's power cleaned up everything. <laughs> So when your relationship with God is broken, you need to repair the altar. Anytime there's broken fellowship between you and God, God was not the one who moved. So we have to repair. We have to make amends. You have to mend the fence. Okay? This is what Elijah did. He put things in order. You've got to put God first. When your relationship with God is broken, God became second, third, or fourth, but not first. You've got to put it back in order. Everybody say, put it in order. Put it in order. You've got to wash with the water of God's word. He washed it. He, he sanctified it. The process of washing is called sanctification. It's a process of purifying. Okay? He honored the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He recognized that God was God and that he was God's servant. And he did things according to God's word. He confronted the prophets of Baal according to God's word. Amen? And he told, he gave people an opportunity to change their heart. God gives us an opportunity to change. Every altar call is an opportunity to change. Why do we call it an altar call? Because we're calling people to act on the word that was spoken. Number one. Number two, we're giving people an opportunity to be saved. Number three, an opportunity to be healed or filled with the Holy Spirit or whatever else the Holy Spirit might want to do. An altar call is never to embarrass anybody. It's always to help somebody. And you have to get that in your heart because the devil will fight you at the altar call. Yep. He'll do everything that he can to keep you in your seat. Not, don't move. Don't answer the call. Don't pick it up. Don't pick it up. <laughs> He'll do everything that he can to prevent you from connecting with God's power. And that's called, you've got to fight that. The fight of faith. And you've got to overcome that. You've got to say, I don't care what you say, devil. I'm getting what I need. And you just got to come and receive. Amen? God offers an open invitation to every altar that he has for you. 
And there's one final altar that I want to talk to you today about. And that is the altar that God built for mankind. He built an altar called the cross. And on that cross, he offered his greatest sacrifice. On that cross, an exchange took place. On that cross, there was divine communication. God was communicating to us how much he loved us. He was showing us how much he loved us. And he talked about it in Exodus. Jesus, Moses lifted up a serpent on the pole. And Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man shall be lifted up. It was, it was told beforehand how the Lord was going to die. And God set up this altar called the cross of Christ. And the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are saved, it is the power of God for salvation. And God put that cross in the earth. He hung his sacrifice on that cross. And it was at that cross where the debt was paid, where the exchange was made, and sin was done away with forever and ever. It was at the cross. At the cross, Ephesians 2.16 says, He reconciled both to God in one body through the cross and put the hostility of God to death. Oh, he subdued the hostility to God through the cross, through the altar. That's God's greatest altar that he gave to us, that he set up on Mount Calvary, the very same place where Abraham built the altar and laid his son Isaac on it. It was the very same place that Solomon established the temple to worship God. It was the very same place that God had covenanted with man. He set up this altar. And because of that altar, a way was given to us to come to God. A door was opened. A lock was removed. The veil was torn. Now you didn't have to be a high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies. You could be John Smith. You could be Doug Pishka. And if you believed in Jesus, you could enter into the Holy of Holies. You didn't have to be a high priest because that veil was torn. After the work on the cross was done, the veil was torn from top to bottom. No more repair. It, it couldn't be repaired. It was done away with. God did away with the veil so that he granted us access to come into his very presence, into the Holy of Holies. Anytime, place, anywhere. And we always get there through the altar. We offer to God the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips giving thanks unto God. There are times when we don't feel like praising God. But we, we offer that sacrifice because we know what it does when we do it. We may not feel like praising God, but we make our bodies praise God. We may not feel like lifting our hands. We make our hands lifted. 
clothed. Yes. Because praise to God has to get out. It has, that's how we connect with God. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, the death of the cross. He reconciled everything to himself by making peace through the blood of Jesus on his cross. You know what reconciled means? Your accounts are good. God made your account good. He made sure your books are on key. Amen? He erased the certificate of debt with one pen in the form of a cross. God wiped away your debt. With its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, he is taking it away and he nailed it to the cross. He nailed your debt to the cross, to the altar, where his blood was shed, where his life was given, where we can receive eternal life. Amen. The cross is simply the key that opened up the door. Jesus is the door. The door hung on the cross. The door and the key were connected to open up the way for us. Amen. So now, because of this altar, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and then at the end, he sat down at the right hand of God. The cross wasn't the final story. The cross was just where the paper was made. Now we're in resurrection. Now we're celebrating the resurrected life. Amen. We get to walk in new life. Now we can walk as risen people from the dead. We were dead, but now we're alive. We were lost, but now we're found. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. And we have a new altar. That's going to mean a greater sacrifice of worship. That means you can't set the cruise control and think you're just going to slide on by. You've got to get in the mix. Amen? You've got to get in the mix. And you've got to enter in to this to what God wants to do. He's, we set up a meeting place for Him. And this is where God is going to meet us as a body. This is where He's going to fill us so that we can share our filling with those out there. Yes. This is where we're going to power up. This is the charging station right here. Amen? Your spiritual electric battery can get recharged here in the name of Jesus. And like I said, this is not the only altar. This is a altar that's important in your spiritual walk. Amen? Are you ready? To step into what God has for us. To do what God wants to do. I'm ready to experience His glory. I'm ready to experience His power in greater degrees and greater levels than I ever have in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
And we're going to see the full purpose of what God intended for this place to be in the name of Jesus. I'm thankful for those who have gone before me and laid the foundation. I didn't have to build the building. The building was built when I got here. Amen? I didn't have to buy the seats. The seats were here when I got here. But we do have to keep them full. Amen? We do have to share what goes on here with those out there. Amen? You've got a story to tell. And God, God will back up your story. He will demonstrate how true your story is in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody who needs healing in this place today? If you need healing, I just want you to stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Our God is the healing God. And the altar is the operating table. And the Holy Ghost is the anesthesiologist. Hallelujah.